Well, good morning. Um, my name is Laura Benson. I'll, we'll kind of introduce ourselves a little bit and then just get started right away with a discussion question. I'm Laura. Um, I'm on staff at Candeo with um, the Salt Company, the college ministry. Yep, my name is Casey Perhoda. I'm married to Jordan that works here. Uh, I'm a speech language pathologist, and that's about it. So we are going to start off this morning, um, and and like this might be a heavy hitter question for the first question of the morning. It's not like, what was great about your day yesterday? So first question, not that any of them have been, just saying. Okay, first question, what is the gospel, and how does this inform how and why we can pray? So somebody at your table, share like briefly what the gospel is. And then as you answer this question, as you think of how it informs how and why we can pray, think of the gospel as like a gem that you're holding up into the light and kind of twisting around and looking at from different angles and talk about the, the unique things about it that actually make us able to be able to enter into prayer, right? Um, not just like Jesus died on the cross for our sins and so we can pray. What allows us to be able to pray? Why, why can we pray? Why is that a sweet invitation because of the gospel? So spend the next couple minutes talking about that question at your table. Okay, we're going to move on, and Casey is going to spend a couple minutes telling us um, what is prayer. So hopefully you guys read the chapter. It's not that um, intricate of a question, but what is prayer and why do we pray? And in that, she'll kind of be leaning into this discussion question of how the gospel plays into that. Yep, so in simplest terms, what is prayer? Um, it's just communicating with God. Um, we need to remember that this isn't a conversation that we started, but actually one that God invites us into. So if you've been at Candeo the last handful of months when we've been going through the Hebrews series, we've been learning over and over again that the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies once a year to offer up blood and sacrifices for the people's sins. Um, but what we've also learned in that is it's very insufficient because they have to keep doing that every year. So um, in a group of ladies, I figured this would be relevant. So probably most of you or a lot of you have gotten your hair colored before. Um, same thing, you have to keep going back. It's insufficient. Wait a couple months and your roots grow out. So just a way to think about that. Um, but if we look at Hebrews 9, 25 to 28, um, I don't have this up here, just go ahead and listen to this with me. It says, nor did he, Jesus, enter heaven to offer himself over and over again the way the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after face judgment, so Christ, sacrifice, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So if we think of in light of the gospel because of Jesus and him dying on the cross for us and when we put our faith and trust in him, he's bridged that gap between us and God. So now we can boldly approach God's throne. We have the gift of having his ear that he listens to us. He hears us. Um, and Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So next, I'm just going to go into uh, why should we pray? So there's a lot of different reasons, but um, one big reason is to get God. So not we're not just trying to ask God for things. He's not a genie that we shouldn't just be asking him all the time for things. Now, he allows us to do that, but we should also um, spend time with God to grow our relationship with him. 
So if you guys think of any relationship you have, a marriage, a friendship, um, that relationship is defined by spending time with someone and getting to know them more. And so in the same way, we need to spend time with God and get to know him more. Um, another reason we should pray is because Jesus modeled it and he commands his disciples to do so. So in Luke six twelve, it says it was at this time that he, Jesus went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. So that's a perfect example. There's many throughout the Bible of where Jesus goes off and prays and models that. Um, this one's going to sound very silly and straightforward, but why should we pray? Because we can. We, um, as we mentioned with the insufficient sacrifices of the high priest, because of Jesus and his one-time sacrifice on the cross, we're now able to approach the throne of God with no fear, no condemnation, no guilt if you're in Christ. So we should pray because we can. We have the opportunity and God's listening to us. Um, and lastly, we should pray to align our hearts and desires with the things of God. So in Matthew 26, 39, it says, and he, Jesus, went a little beyond them, talking about his disciples, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So this is right before Jesus and his crucifixion. Um, and the, those last two parts are really what we want to focus on is yet not as I will, but as you will. So this is uh, Jesus just humbling himself before the Lord and surrendering everything to him. And in the same way, when we pray, we should be humbling ourselves before the Lord, surrendering to him and asking him that our heart and our desires would align with his own. So just to give you guys a little heads up, we're going to during this class do a little bit more like talking a bit and then some discussion at the table. So we're gonna right away move into a discussion question um, after that. And this question is, I'll explain a little bit, it might be confusing up there, but as you reflect on your current habits of prayer, what thoughts run through your mind? Guilt, a sense of God's, dis or a sense of, is that what the question was supposed to be? Um, maybe God is disappointed by my prayerlessness, um, joyful satisfaction, et cetera. Or how do you tend to enter into prayer? Fearful, apologetic, eager. Um, so yeah, just when you kind of think about coming to learn about prayer, or as you read this chapter about prayer, are you thinking like, oh man, I'm really bad at this. I wish I did it more. I feel like God is probably a little bit low-key disappointed that I don't do this more. Like, I know he loves me, but he's probably kind of like, why don't you pray more? <laughs> I love you. Um, do you come into prayer feeling like you have to apologize for, like, do you feel like you're a burden to God? Um, maybe you don't. Maybe you feel like, yeah, this is a joyful thing every time I do it. Do you feel apathetic at all? So um, do some, like, quick hits around your table. Maybe you don't go too into depth in it, but do some quick hits of kind of what your emotions might be going into prayer, whether good or bad, and we'll come back after that. Okay, that might not have felt like enough time, but I'm going to cut you off. And uh, I'm going to real quick around the room, shout out some just words that maybe popped up around your table. What was like a common denominator? Did you guys have one? Okay, okay. We got the I thought you said slug and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Unworthy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm inconsistent. Mm -hmm. It's good. We're getting it all out on the table, starting with confession and <laughs> digging into 
um, yeah, speaking truth to ourselves. So I love at kind of following up what Casey talked about with um, the gospel, meaning we can approach the throne with boldness, right? Um, I love the heart, and I want to talk a little bit about the heart by which we are able to approach God. And that is one with boldness, with thanksgiving, with neediness, with knowing like we are weak and we need somebody who's not um, that we can go to. Um, I know this even came up at our table last week, but I love the illustration in um, the book that prayer is not something that we are like knocking on God's door as he, he's doing something else. It's a response to steps he's already taken towards us. I love that, that he has already made steps in our direction and we're just responding to that. And so um, I love also the thought of the, um, the concept of God being our father, that we are like children going to our father when we're entering into times of prayer. Um, and so it made me think of, I read um, Institutes of the Christian Religion a couple years ago, and there's this great section on prayer where he's comparing, um, he's illustrating prayer through the prodigal son, this story of, I'm sure you guys mostly know the story, um, the son who runs away, takes his inheritance, and then comes back and is kind of not really sure how his father is going to receive him back, right? And so I was going to read real quick in here from this, because um, I'm sure John Calvin can say it better than me, um, that this is depicted and represented for us in a parable in Luke chapter 15, this abundance of fatherly compassion. So kind of walks through what the son had done, estranged himself from his father. Um, and then when he's returning back, the father embraces him with open arms and does not wait for him to ask for pardon, but anticipates him, recognizes him returning afar off, willingly runs to meet him, comforts him, receives him into favor. For in setting forth this example of great compassion to be seen in man, he willed to teach us how much more abundantly we ought to expect it of him. For he is not only a father, but by far the best and kindest of all fathers. So I love this image that we have in that story of the father. The son comes to the father ready to like ask to be a slave, right? To be a servant in the household because he knows he's unworthy, right? What we just said about how we can enter into prayer. And it's true, we are unworthy. But the father's response is not to wait and like listen out his apology and then and then like make sure he feels enough guilt before he takes him back he hikes up his like man skirt or whatever it's called and is <laughs> it like he he makes himself look kind of dumb in that culture and runs out to greet his son because he so loves him he's the one taking steps towards us and cuts him off and brings him back into his family so you might be like the younger son who goes into prayer with some level of guilt, feeling unworthy, feeling like you have to kind of tiptoe into God's presence, right? Um, then I was thinking of the book Prodigal God and thinking, so the book Prodigal God by Tim Keller is all the story of the prodigal son. It's so good. You should all read it. Um, but some of us might interact more like the older son when we enter into prayer, right? And so he is walking through then what it might look like for the older son as they approach God. And he kind of explains it as a lack of assurance that the father loves us, right? Lack of feeling assured of that and so kind of like ambivalent towards it. Um, he says, perhaps the clearest symptom of this lack of assurance is a dry prayer life. So if you feel like your prayer life is dry or like you go in not looking forward to it, it's not much of a highlight. He says, 
Um, Though elder brothers may be diligent in prayer, there is no wonder, awe, intimacy, or delight in their conversations with God. Um, Then goes to explain three conversations you might have with three different people, a business associate, friend, someone that is like a lover of yours. You'll interact with them in a different way, whether it's to try to get something, it's goal-oriented, or to just tell them how much you love them. So he says, elder brothers may be disciplined in observing regular times of prayer, but their prayers are almost wholly taken up with recitation of needs and petitions, not spontaneous joyful praise. In fact, many elder brothers, for all their religiosity, do not have much of a prayer life at all unless things are not going well in their lives. Then they may devote themselves to a great deal of it until things get better again. This reveals that their main goal in prayer is to control their environment rather than delve into an intimate relationship with a God who loves them. And so either way, if you feel like more the younger brother who goes in with guilt and unworthiness or the older brother who feels no wonder and intimacy and delight, we know that we are coming towards a father who has already made steps towards us and who loves talking with us. Um, In Habits of Grace, he says he wants to hear, he wants to interact, and I just love that. That's good for my soul to remember. Um... And kind of going off of that question then, too, I wonder if you guys through this book have felt more delighted at the ways that you can be intimate with God, or if you walk away feeling a little bit guilty and just like you have a new list of ways that you're failing. Um, Sometimes when I read the book, I'm like, oh, this is so great. And I think sometimes in our table discussion, at least at our table, I know we, we have kind of been like, man this is good, I wish I did it more, or I don't do this enough. And while it's good to want to grow in our pursuits of the Lord, um, we'd be missing out if we just walked away feeling like we had a new checklist of things to do for God, right? And so I want to encourage you guys, my encouragement this morning for both prayer and the whole of this class is to stop getting so focused on your own deficiencies and start gazing at the bounty of his grace in the gift that he's giving us, right? So stop being so caught up with the ways you're insufficient and and not quite measuring up in all these things. And instead, turn your eyes towards the fact that he is giving us this beautiful gift of his grace through gifts. And so if you answer every question of like, what does this look like in your life initially with I'm really bad at this? Um, start to train yourself to think this is a gift, not for guilt. I need to look at this as a gift and continue to grow for sure, but not walk away feeling guilt in it. Um, So going back into kind of um, talking a little bit about different forms of prayer. Prayer is such a huge topic. We could talk all day about different practical steps for prayer, why we pray, things like that. And so we're going to kind of quick hit a couple of the topics that he talked about in the book. Um, so one of the um, ways he kind of breaks down prayer is both in structured prayer and spontaneous prayer. So the next discussion question that we'll spend a couple minutes on is between those two types of prayer, structured and spontaneous, which one do you tend to incorporate more often in your daily rhythms? And what does that typically look like? So go ahead, talk about that with your table. Okay, quick poll throughout the room. Who of you guys would say you are more um, of a structured prayer? You tend to lean that direction. A couple of those, how about spontaneous? Okay, yeah, that's what I would have expected. Not surprising. 
Um, okay, we're going to talk a little bit about structured spontaneous prayer and then corporate prayer as well. So how we're going to structure the next couple minutes, I'm going to talk through each one a little bit about why they're important for us. And then Casey's going to talk about what that looks like in her life or what that might look like in your life, some practical examples of that. So starting with structured or personal prayer, um, why do we do this? Why is this important? If, if we're if we're good at like the spontaneous prayer, why is it still important for us to set aside time for structured and personal prayer? Um, say a handful of reasons. The first one is that, again, like Casey said before, Jesus modeled this with his father, and Jesus was God. And so if we think of who needs time away, um, you would think like, well, Jesus wouldn't need that. He like is God, <laughs> and so he's kind of got that all the time. Um, but he still did that, right? Um, page 102 in Habits of Grace that he had no inadequacies to make up for and no doubts about his trueness, but he desperately desired fellowship with his father. And so again and again, he prayed alone. And so that should be a pattern of our life. If Jesus needed his father, how much more do we need time alone with our father, extended time alone? Um, I would say also, this is when we are most able to let that flow out of scripture, right? If we have set aside structured time for prayer. And so um, they talk in the book about how a great pattern of disciplines in your life is start with prayer. So you're intaking God's word, meditate, and then turn that into prayer. And so I'm more likely to pray through scriptures and pray the things of God's word when, I've, when I'm doing that right after reading God's word. Um, George Mueller said prayer, his prayers are richer and more focused in that way when he, when he started with scripture. Um, then if you think of a friendship, Fellow, true fellowship is not just like a series of one-liners shot out during the day, right? It'd be weird if you and your best friend, your daily interaction solely consisted of like you, uh, I don't know, shooting them a text or like a voice memo every couple minutes. That'd be weird <laughs> that you wouldn't actually feel like you have depth of friendship. You wouldn't feel like you actually have fellowship and time together. And so as with any good friend, you're going to set aside time to sit down with them and dialogue and talk and unpack the things of your heart, not just shoot out little one-liners like, I need help in this or this is cool, thanks. Um, so yeah, think through real friendships and um, think of God in that way. And then lastly, I would say there's plenty more reasons for this, but just to kind of break down to a few, um, this really keeps us from seeing God as just a vending machine. Um, you're far more likely in just spontaneous prayer to ask for things you need and not have some of those other elements of prayer like adoration and confession and thanksgiving. Um, it also forces us to pray for the things we wouldn't naturally have come up in our minds. And so I don't, in a, in a day, think often of the other side of the world, right? But it's important for me to pray for either believers that are serving overseas or, um, I don't know, th things going on around our world or our government or things like that. It's important to pray for those things. And they don't just naturally pop into my mind all that often. And so I have to force myself, train my mind to set aside specific time to pray for the things that don't just naturally pop into my mind. Um, so what does this look like in your life, Casey? Um, yeah, so one of the things that I do pretty regularly is um, just praying through the Lord's Prayer and more specifically of like throughout my day. Um, so I'll kind of just walk you through how I would do this. So when you say like our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, that's just talking about God's holiness. So I start by just thanking God. Um, even this morning can just be like, thank you for breath. Like, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that you're giving me another day. Um, 
just even thanking him for the night before or different things throughout the previous day. Um, and then just your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, just praying that even like we talked about before that my hearts and my desires would align with the Lord's. Um, and so that's a great way to come before him and ask for that. Um, and then give us this day, our daily bread. So I think of just praying through my day. So like this morning I was praying through this talk. Then I prayed for energy through my work day, um, praying for family week and tonight and that, you know, the kids are just learning a lot and the helpers are energetic and all those things. Um, and then forgive us our trespasses. Um, I think this is great because we need to keep asking God for forgiveness because we are still sinners and we still need him. Um, so yeah, like I'm really struggling with body image right now. So I'm continually asking God for forgiveness for like comparing or being discontent. Um, so that's been a regular, but anyway, with like, and lead me not into temptation. So I love this portion because the devil is at work. Like he's on the prowl and we know that. And I also know my temptations and I think you all do too. You know how, um, you can be tempted to sin in a certain way. And so this is a great time to pray and ask for God to protect you against that and guard you from it. And so for me, this looks like protect my eyes, my thoughts, my heart, my body, so that they'd be for my husband. Um, protect me from being prideful or being impatient. Protect me from being uh, quick to speak, quick to become angry, harsh with my words. Um, and then also, yeah, just protect me from being discontent in the way that I look and comparison that I would remember that my identity is found in you. So, um, and then just for that is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's um, what that looks like. And I, there's a lot of flexibility, but I think that those are really good. Um, it's obviously in scripture, but it's really good to go through that because yeah, you start with the Thanksgiving and adoration and then confession and um, just asking for God's help for supplication. Um, so then another thing that I do is um, I just have little note cards of different people that I pray for regularly. And so, um, like I said, there's a lot of flexibility in this as well. So like one day I'll pray for my immediate family and then the next day I'll pray for Jordan's immediate family. And then maybe the next day I'll pray for my friends. And if you're a connection group leader, that's a great thing to start praying for the couples in your connection group. Um, or if you're a D group leader praying for those girls and then, you know, praying specifically for like overseas missions or people that we have friends that we have overseas, um, praying for the church body, praying for leadership here. So there's so much, so much flexibility. And I think that also changes throughout different seasons of, um, what you're doing in the church, where you're leading different things like that. Um, but so, yeah, I just, start by just praying through, like if I was praying for one of my friends, just like thanking the Lord for them, praying for protection in their marriage, praying that he would continue. Um, yeah, just to be present in their minds and all those things. Um, and then I know for some of you being moms of littles, this isn't always the most functional thing. Um, but I think it's also great when most at younger ages, most of your kids have a quiet time or a nap time. So that's a great time to spend a little bit of time in prayer. Um, and then even just prayer with your spouse before bed. Um, that's something Jordan and I started right when we got married was we lay in bed and every night one of us always prays. And so that's just been a structured thing that we do. And, and we do a lot of this of like thanking the Lord through the day and just asking him to prepare us for the next day. So spontaneous prayer. Those are kind of just the little shout outs to God as, as things come to mind. 
um, throughout the day. The Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. We should be constant in prayer. We should continue steadfastly in prayer and pray at all times. Um, so one of the reasons that it's great to do this is we have the Holy Spirit living in us and with us. Um, and so when we acknowledge that God is literally always with us, it really transforms the thought of constancy and spontaneity in our prayer, right? It's, it's easy to remember like, oh, God is here. I don't have to formally like, dear God. He doesn't only hear us if we start with the words, dear God, and close with the words, amen. We can, we can talk to him at all times. He's always with us. What does this look like for you, Casey? Yeah. Yep. So, um, some functional things I would say is just, I, most of us are on our phones a lot. I'm sure you're texting people throughout the day. Um, so regularly I try to just text close friends, um, or family and ask them how I can be praying for them. Um, my immediate response when they text me back is to pray right then, because as you guys know, life gets a little bit crazy and you say, I'm going to pray for you. And if you don't do it right then, you usually forget. So that's just one thing that I like to do is when I'm updating prayer cards, I'm just texting those people. And right when they text me back, um, I'm praying for those things. We did that last night. I updated a lot of my prayer cards for this upcoming year and um, had my friends just tell me what they needed prayer for. And then Jordan and I prayed for that that night. Um, another thing would just be during conversation. So people um, might think this is weird, but it's awesome that you can just approach God whenever. And so like if I was talking with Laura and say she's going through a trial or having a hard day, like the sweetest thing that we can do for her right then is to say, hey, can I pray for you right now? Because um, a lot of times we don't have the answer and we're not supposed to. And so I think that's a sweet time for us to just go before the Lord and lift that person up in prayer. Um, another way would just be on our drive to work. I know that's a common one of like, what does it look like to renew or redeem our time? Um, so I drive a lot to work and so I have a lot of downtime. So I'm mainly praying through the Lord's prayer, even on my way to work in the morning. Um, but even just through transition. So if you're walking to class, if you're taking your kids to the library and walking in from the parking lot, pray with them. Um, and then just also for you parents, like following discipline with your kids, that's a great time to pray with them and remind them of the gospel. So yeah, those are just some practical ways I think that we can try to incorporate more spontaneous prayer throughout the day and just make it feel more natural. And then finally, in those three, corporate prayer. So why do we do? Why is it important to pray with other believers? Again, like with a lot of these, Jesus did it. Um, so Jesus often prayed with his disciples. Um, when he was asked how to pray, he started off by saying, "Our Father," right? So even just the first word of that prayer um, shows us that we can communally come before our Father um, and do that together. Um, corporate prayer brings together unity. So the last thing Jesus prayed for before he died in John 17 was for unity for believers. And so we know that that's important. Um, and then also mutual encouragement. When I'm, if Casey stops and prays for me in a moment, I feel mutually, like I feel encouraged and edified by her words and her prayers. Um, we're able to like speak gospel truths over people in a unique way when we're praying for them or things maybe I hadn't thought of if Casey brings up in prayer it's like oh that's so encouraging that I wouldn't have thought of that in a different way than if she were to just tell me those things right because she's going to the father on my behalf and so I feel encouraged when I hear the prayers of saints around me um so with those things oh then yeah what does corporate yeah. prayer look um, like so even 
this is a shameless plug, but I'm going to just say it. So Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. in the union right up here, we have prayer before the services. Um, so it would be so sweet to see a lot of you guys there. That's a great time for us to pray um, for whoever is leading worship, for whoever's preaching that day. Um, even for unbelievers, if you guys know that you're going to have unbelievers there this morning, be up there praying for their heart, like that they would come to know Jesus. Um and then also, you've probably noticed, we've just been praying a lot more corporately, um, just in Sunday worship. And so just spending time praying with the people around you. Um, and then also connection groups. So if you're not in a connection group, you should be. Um, it's great. We're not called to walk this life um, and our Christian walk without people. And so um, that's a great time also just to learn more about prayer and the power of prayer. Um, there's a specific example that we, um, in our connection group, we have two couples that have been um, battling infertility for quite a while. And um, so they've been lifted up multiple times through prayer. And because of that, and God's grace, they're they're both pregnant. So that's that's been really sweet to see. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's it's so worth it to bring things to God, not just by yourself, but also with other believers. Well, so following that, we have discussion for a couple more minutes. So what is one thing you can implement this week to grow in prayer and potentially in the type you tend to do less? So if you said, I'm more of a spontaneous prayer, what's one thing maybe you can pull from um, Casey's examples or just things that you came up with in the book that you'd like to implement this week in your prayer life? Okay, ladies, let's bring it back. Um, if you, any of you at your table have really good thoughts on this and how you answered this question, go ahead and just kind of shout them out. So, um, yeah, what's one thing you can implement this week to grow in prayer? What would that look like? Perfect. Anybody else? Texting friends. Um, it's just this question of, yeah, like what, what did you guys come up with at your table? What's one thing you're going to do to grow in prayer this week? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to hit um, these last couple topics here rather shortly so we have some time to spend in prayer at the end. Um, but when, when we talk about fasting, this is just essentially abstaining from food or something else with the purpose of uh, spending time with God and deepening your relationship with him. And so from page 24 in the book, Mathis stated, uh, plan what you'll do instead of eating, because without a purpose and plan, it's not Christian fasting, it's just going hungry. So the point of fasting is not just to not eat, it's to spend time with the Lord. So making sure that um, that's what that looks like, it's not just going hungry. One of the things I love about how he writes, too, is whenever he's unpacking these things, I feel like it's just this breath of relief. Like, oh, this doesn't have to be this huge, crazy thing. It's It seems very approachable. And so I love what he said about fasting. He said, fasting like the gospel isn't for the self-sufficient and those who feel like they have it all together. It's for the poor in spirit. So sometimes I think it's easy to put fasting in this category of like, oh, that's a discipline for like the varsity Christians. Maybe I'll be there someday. 
But we know there's no such thing as varsity Christians, right? There's not the JV team and like working on Bible this year and maybe in five years I'll be up to fasting. Um, so don't be embarrassed to start small. If it's, if it's one like meal that you start with, um, yeah, don't like take baby steps and that's great. There's, there's not a um, next level up in Christianity. So good. And then journaling um, is simply just writing things down. Um, and I feel like when we think of Christian journaling or journaling for purposes of um, spending time with the Lord, it would be um, my biggest takeaway would just be that we can recall specific trials or prayers um, and we can reflect on how God provided during that time in the past. Um, we can also see how he's providing currently or how he might provide in the future. Um, so it's just a good way for us to think through that and even like in journals or prayer cards um a very tangible way you can see that is like I crossed something out when God's answered that prayer so going back and looking at that I can see I'm changing this person's prayer card because God's answered all the prayers I had for them that's awesome and again with journaling journaling like all of these there's no one right way to do it um we don't see a verse in the bible about like when you journal make sure it's bullet points and not sentences or whatever there's no there's no like <laughs> biblical way to journal necessarily and so for my journal what that looks like for me I've been doing this for a lot of years it's super random and really different what it looks like every day sometimes there's weeks that I don't sometimes it's every day maybe um I might just write down a verse I read. I might unpack what I'm studying in there. I might be taking notes from the Sunday morning sermon. Some days I legit write out everything I'm thinking and just like puke words onto the because I just need to like get out all my feelings and it's like 10 pages of everything. Um, some days, yeah, it's bullet points, prayer requests. So, so it's totally different every day. And sometimes I have felt this sense of like, oh, I should be more consistent with this. But I... If, if it's helping me to enjoy God and and pray, then I don't need to, you know, I can do whatever works. Um, I don't often go back to my journals and, and look, because um, some of them are just notes of scripture that wouldn't actually be that helpful to go back to and be like, oh, cool, I wrote down Romans. Um, but recently I was... I was doing a talk on like ways that in the past several years I've failed in ministry. And so I went back to some older journals from five years ago and came across a passage that I had written where I was, I was choosing to trust God, but was really feeling in this moment through a specific thing that God was withholding good from me. And I am writing on there like, I know you're not withholding good from me because I know you and I know you love me and I know you're good, but it kind of feels like you are. And so just putting this out there. And it was so sweet to see now in hindsight, like crystal clear clarity um, in a way that now in hindsight, I can see, oh, that was God giving me his very best. He was not withholding good because um, new things had like come to light with it that reading that was just a sweet blessing to my soul because I had forgotten that that was even a concern. I had forgotten that I was bummed about that specific thing and that I was struggling to trust God in that. And so it was so sweet and a reminder of God's faithfulness to see in this specific instance, he was not withholding good. So a sweet um, way that journaling has been a grace to me. Yep. And then the last one we'll just hit is silence and solitude. So essentially that's just getting time alone, but not just by yourself with God. 
Um, so what I really enjoyed from the book was Mathis said it's unhealthy to always have people around and unhealthy to rarely want them. So we need balance. We need rhythms of silence and solitude, but also being around people. And even Jesus modeled this and he needed it. And Matthew 14, 23, it says after he had dismissed them talking about his disciples, he later went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. So, um, yeah, Jesus, the son of God still needed time with God alone. And then, Laura? Yeah. So, Silence and Solitude will definitely look very different in different seasons of life. So, for me, if you are, like, either single or young married without kids or an empty nester, a couple weeks ago, I went on a trip by myself to Colorado and went camping. And it was just me in a tent and, like, my little AeroPress coffee maker. And every day just was silent before God spent time in his word, went on a five-hour hike and didn't put in music, but just like was with God and it was so good and so refreshing. And I just felt very like I was with God the whole time. I didn't feel lonely ever. It was like, no, I'm here with Jesus. And he's showing me really cool things like elk and birds and flowers in Colorado. And it was so good. Um, You might though, if you have kids be like what is solitude and your eye kind of twitches a little bit when you ask that question because you haven't had a day in the past five years without a kid like constantly touching you um so that might look a little different you might not be flying to Colorado for three days by yourself um maybe when the kids move out put that on the calendar in 18 years but for you I I called it <laughs> I called Lisa Lisi the other day because she has four kiddos and two of them are young, what, three-month-old twins. And so solitude is not a um, common thing in her life right now. So I was like, Lisa, what does this look like for you? Because I know you need this because we all need this. Um, and for her, she said, don't get caught up in a length of time for silence and solitude. If it's a week, that's awesome. Or a day, that's awesome. But for me right now, it looks a little bit more like 30-second increments. So maybe it's when you're in the bathroom. Like, get a lock on your door, maybe, if you can. Um, when you're on a run. Or, or even, she said, when I wake up in the morning, before I get out of my bed, I will lay there and be silent before God. Um, yeah, before disciplining to... to to stop and say, God, I'm with you. You're like, help me to do this. Um, for both, whether whether you are able to get away for longer periods of time or shorter, it's not about escaping your life. It's about recharging to be able to enter back into loving people and ministering to people, right? So, so the purpose is not just escape. You guys know what it feels like to escape and then come back to the real world and be like, oh gosh, I have to work again. We should actually come out of times of silence and solitude feeling ready to like get back in it. And so either way, yeah, um, think about the recharge that comes from it. Yeah. So what we want to do with um, these last couple minutes is just spend um, some time practicing praying together. Um, So what I want you guys to do is each just partner up at your table if you need to do like a pair of three or whatever, because you have an odd number, that's totally fine. But If you were here last week, we talked about different verses or scripture that we wanted to put into memory and also meditation. And so Laura and I were talking and we thought this would be a great time to kind of bring that back up. And so if I was going to pray with Laura, I would tell her, hey, my verse was 1 Samuel 16, 7, which talks about um, God caring a lot more about my heart than the way that I look because I've been struggling with body image. Pray for me. Okay, so we um, we can 
tend to share a little bit too long. And Mathis made a point in his book of like, let's not spend so much time sharing with each other, although that's important. So you know what to pray for. Let's spend more time praying. So that's what we want to do now is just break off and pray for that person, pray over that scripture that they're really needing to memorize and let kind of soak into their heart today. Um, but before we do that, let's go ahead and do um, the doxology and we'll sing that and then we'll we'll let you guys do some prayer. Father, thank you so much for the fact, first of all, that we can address you as our father. Thank you that we are your children um, that you invite us in. You're not you're not busy working on something in the corner of a room, and we're we're tiptoeing up to you to talk to you. Um, you're you're waiting for us. You've already invited us in, and we are just responding to that. Um, so God, this week and for the rest of our lives, would we um, do that with boldness and with joy and with satisfaction and with neediness before you? Um, God, thank you that disciplines like prayer are not. Uh, these stale foods that we have to force down because we know they're good for us. They're, um, they're the cherry pies. They're the chocolate mousses that we actually get to delight in, but they're good for us, God. So thank you for giving us these sweet gifts of ways that we can connect with you and enjoy you and know you more um, like prayer. God, thank you for um, the women in this room that we're able to share this discipline with um, this habit with God and pray together. Would you um, let this morning be at the beginning of maybe some new habits and some new trajectories of um, of prayer, whether it be personal or with um, with community? God, we love you so much. We're thankful for your son. We pray this in your name. Amen.